Hello, everyone, and welcome to God Talk with Tara. This is Tara. We're going to start with prayer and go ahead and dive in tonight. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the day. Thank you for your grace and for your mercy and for your people, Lord. Thank you that we love one another, however imperfectly, and that in that love, Father, we cover a multitude of sins. Lord, I pray that we would each allow you to search our hearts for that which is not aligned with you, that we would allow you, Lord God, to know us deeply so that we might know ourselves, Lord, and be remade in the image of your Son. Lord, I pray that you would transform the places that we are afraid to show you and afraid to look at, that we would give them to you, Father, so that we would be set free. We ask, Lord, in your name, and I ask, Lord, tonight, too, that Jesus would be magnified in all that we say and all that we think and all that we do. I ask, Father, that I would be small and that he would be large. And I ask particularly, Lord, that you will keep me on track tonight. I ask in Jesus' name and by your spirit and all for your honor and glory. So it's funny, I haven't gone back and listened to the last podcast, but I recalled that I began with a story of failures um, and never really tied that in. And I think that was probably purposeful on God's part. I don't believe that I was done with those tales. Uh, so an interesting thing has been popping up the last couple of days over and over and over again. And that has kind of come back to the concept of shame and what it does to us. Um, now, realistically speaking, there is a purpose for shame in our lives. Shame is not something that we should try to brush off and forget about and ignore because it's a bad thing and we shouldn't feel it. That's not what it is. Um, we should not dwell in guilt because to dwell in guilt as Christians is to reject God's gift of forgiveness and reconciliation. Um, but shame is a little different. It's something that is there for a purpose, much like fear can be there for a purpose and anger can be there for a purpose. We don't dwell in those things either, but we recognize the purpose of them. And so as I was talking yes, or the last time, I was talking about how I have done many things and I get going well, and then I stop for whatever reason. I will get distracted. Sometimes it is because the Lord has released me from a thing and I just don't realize that he has. And so I struggle to continue on with it. And then eventually it peters out. Um, and it doesn't really matter whether it is I gave up because I didn't feel like doing it or whether it is that the Lord stopped pushing me and it took me a while to catch on. What is produced by that, by those times where you begin something and then fail to finish or fail to continue, um, is a sense of shame, especially when it's something that you're doing for God. You feel like a failure. You feel like you have 
failed to do something you committed to doing um, and you feel ashamed of it. And so the next time that you begin something, you have to overcome the sense that you're going to fail at it. And then every single time it does not look the way you pictured it, you come right up against all of those feelings of shame that are deep inside. Now, these kind of feelings of shame are a hindrance, don't get me wrong, because they do make it difficult to follow God's command. Um, but they're minor compared to other kinds of failures in our lives and the bondage that we find ourselves in as a result of the shame over the things that we have done. And so I want to kind of look at some of some of what the Bible has to say on these topics. So our pastor this past Sunday um, preached a sermon out of Song of Songs, which was interesting because it really wasn't a love story. Um, I'm used to hearing anything preached out of that being very much oh, on the topic of love. But what our pastor brought up was the, the, the line, let's uh, actually have that scripture of, it's from chapter two, verse 15, and it says, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards are vineyards that are in bloom. Mm. Now, most of what the pastor preached about on this was in the context of various relationships with other people. Uh, but what really struck me is that really holds in the context of God's people and their relationship with him. That we need the Lord to search us, not just for the things that we do in other relationships that damage those relationships, but we need him to search us for the sins that we hold on to that damage our relationship with him. And it is not just the sins of action where we have done something wrong. It is the aftermath of those sins that we really need the Lord to come in and reveal and catch and remove from us so that we can flourish and grow. And there were a lot of things that, as I was listening to him preach, ran through my head about, you know, what we could talk about as far as the relationship of the church and God and, uh, you know, hearkening back to the Old Testament where Israel was forever prostituting itself with other gods and our idolatry and our tendencies in that direction. Um, but really what hit me was the prayer that the pastor offered toward the end of the service when we prayed that the Lord would search us for the little foxes in us, not to make us ashamed, but to help us to be free of them, to help us to be forgiven and to help us to move on and to grow in faith. 
And I was looking for where that is, and I actually found where that is. It is in 1 Corinthians, um, where Paul says to the Corinthians that he has been telling them all the things he's been saying to them. Now, if you've read 1 Corinthians, you will know that 1 Corinthians is not exactly a nice and warm and fuzzy letter. It does indeed have the love chapter in it, but if you look at the context of that chapter, um, Paul is, is kind of upset with the Corinthians. The Corinthians have been doing stuff they ought not to be doing, and he is pointing out the areas where they need to grow and where they need to look at their own behavior and recognize that they are off base and that they need to seek the Lord's forgiveness and start acting right. And towards the end of, uh, or in this chapter in Corinthians 4, um, verse 14, it says, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. So this is our, our desire when God is searching us is that we desire his admonishment and we don't desire his admonishment to make us feel ashamed. He does not want to give us his admonishment and his discipline to make us feel ashamed. That is never God's point is to make us feel ashamed. He will allow us to be shamed. He will allow us to be ashamed in our hearts in order for us to recognize where we are off base. That's the thing about anger and fear and shame and these emotions that we that we consider to be bad emotions. They're not necessarily bad in and of themselves. They're only bad when we allow them to be in control and we don't pay attention to their purpose. Fear is never to make us afraid. Fear is to make us aware. It's to make us aware that there is danger nearby that we may need to respond to. That is the purpose of fear. Anger is to make us prepared and aware that there is troubling things going on near us, that there is something that we need to react to. Um, and shame is the same way. When we have shame, it is a trigger to alert us that there is something going on that we shouldn't be doing, that we shouldn't be participating in, and we need to pay attention and react appropriately to those emotions. The problem is, is we oftentimes have done shameful things and shame attaches to those actions and if we have not recognized that shame and recognized those actions at the time, we oftentimes overlook that shame and push it down to where we can't see it anymore and we don't feel it anymore. And we don't realize that it's there and keeping us apart. So the place that, that God really sent me as I was looking for an illustration of what I mean when I talk about this with um, with shame is that it's a later chapter in 
the Song of Songs. There's a couple of weird dream sequences in the Song of Songs, or at least that's what my my textbook said they are. Um, and one of them is in chapter five, and it is the woman speaking in the Song of Psalms. And there's this weird little interlude that is kind of disturbing. Um, and it says, I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen, my beloved is knocking. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of the night. I have taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? I've washed my feet. Must I soil them again? My beloved thrust his hand through the latch opening. My heart began to pound for him. I arose to open for my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with flowing myrrh on the handles of the bolt. I opened for my beloved, but my beloved had left. He was gone. My heart sank at his departure. I looked for him, but did not find him. I called him, but he did not answer. The watchmen found me as they made their rounds in the city. They beat me, they bruised me, they took away my cloak, those watchmen of the walls. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, if you find my beloved, what will you tell him? Tell him I am faint with love. And so you have this image of this woman who, whose love has come to her. And she rejects him. She refuses him entry. He comes with love and words of love and she refuses him. And then she changes her mind. But by the time she's changed her mind, he's already left and she goes walking through the city. And as, as she's walking, looking for her love and despondent without him, Others find her and they beat her and they bruise her and they rob her and they leave her forlorn and broken and bloody. I have to wonder how many of us feel that way, where Jesus has given us the invitation over and over and over again. And we have turned and said, mm, I'm already in bed. I already took my robe off. I already washed my feet. Do I really need to get up again, Lord? I know you love me, but I don't really want to come right now. I know you love me, but this other thing here is more important. I know you love me and you told me not to do these things, but I just really want to look at that pornography one more time. Or I just need another drink. I'm just going to sneak another kiss. Whatever it is. Or as somebody once put it, I'm not done sinning yet. And so... We change our minds and we go to the door and we feel like the Lord has left us. And we feel broken and we feel alone and we feel unworthy. Because of course he left us. He loves us and he is amazing and wonderful and we 
ignored him and went our own way. And now we are searching, but we're unworthy and we're broken and we're wicked. We've done wicked things. And he's offered, but we refused him. We've done wicked things. And so we are not worthy of his love and his forgiveness. And no matter if we chase after him, those who protect him will just beat us and bruise us and take away our cloak and leave us naked and alone. And that is what shame unnoticed, unacknowledged, and undealt with does in our hearts. It leaves us locked in the mistakes of our past. Even if we know Jesus Christ is our Lord and our Savior, even if we know that he is God, that shame leaves us locked, separated away from him, because we know that he is God and we know that he is love and we know that he loves us and he has come and he has knocked at the door. But we also know that we refused him and that we were unworthy. And if it were up to us when we are refused and the person is unworthy and we turn away and we leave them, we don't usually come back. And we don't usually welcome them if they find us. And isn't it just a beautiful thing that God is not like us in that? The rest of this love poem goes on to describe this couple eventually getting married and um, consummating their marriage and living into a mature life together. And so there are happy endings. And I want to say there's also happy endings in scripture. So when we look at Isaiah, I love Isaiah. Look at Isaiah 54 verses four and five. It says, fear not for you will not be ashamed. Be not confounded for you will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood you will remember no more. For your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer, the God of the whole earth he is called. That is one of my favorite names for Jesus, is Redeemer. One of my favorite names that he calls me is redeemed. Because what that means is that I do not have to walk in the shame of my youth. I do not have to remember all of the things that I have done, all of the wickedness in me, all of the times that I have turned from the Lord, all of the times that I have hurt other people. I don't have to look at that and say to myself, you are unworthy and so you need to go lay down in this bed that you have made for yourself and lie there. Instead, the Lord says, I can look at those things. I can look at those failures from 
not following through on something I have told him I will do to getting divorced twice, being in abusive relationships that left my kids vulnerable uh, to failing in a lot of ways as a mom. That I can look at those things and I can give them to God and I can know that he will do something with them. That I do not have to be ashamed because that shame is no longer, that shame is no longer an indicator that there's something I need to react to. There are things that I cannot change and I cannot fix and that I'm no longer doing. Things that I have repented of and that I have brought them to the Lord and said, Father, I am sorry. And I lay them down at his feet because here's the thing. And this is, we're starting this Roman study I mentioned. And I guess this is maybe the first of the sermons on that. Uh, not entirely, but a little. I lay them at the feet of God because he calls me to belong to him. And he calls me to speak the gospel to people. And so this is this is what Paul says at the beginning of Romans 1. Here, let me pull that up because I wasn't actually planning on talking on that. Um, he says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets and the holy scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that was the scripture for today for the wake up call. For those of you who are following along, um, I guess you could say this is sort of my rehearsing and researching. Um, one of the things that really jumped out at me as I read this was the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scripture. We always think of the gospel as really simple. Um, it's what everybody always says. It's so simple. And yet when I ask people what the gospel is, oftentimes they can't tell me. Or they tell me one verse, but they can't really expound on what that means and how that works itself out in a person's life. So if I know that the gospel is that for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That's a kind of simple sentence, but at the same time, it's really not. 
because we don't actually know what that means. And we don't know what it is that Jesus Christ is our Lord. We don't know what it is to believe in Jesus because it's not simply assenting to, yes, there was a person named Jesus that lived in the world. And the gospel isn't really if you profess Jesus Christ as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. That also is not simple and easy and something that you can really explain because what does it mean for Jesus to be Lord? I can believe that God raised him from the dead, but what does it mean for me to profess Jesus as Lord? And so these are the things I was sort of wrestling with today as I'm kind of circling around this idea of shame. And what really jumped out at me as I was looking and researching tonight is a little bit further down in this passage. And it says in verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. I want you to hear this though, and I want you to remember who it is who's saying this. So this is the same Paul who stands before people and says to them, I am the greatest of sinners. And he recounts the story of how he was rescued by Christ out of his darkness, where he is on the Damascus road and he is breathing out murder against Christ's people, is how he puts it. And that as he is set in his heart on killing the men and women of God in the name of God, Jesus comes and strikes him blind, knocks him off his horse and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul is like, who are you, Lord? And so this is, this is what really struck me as I'm reading this and as I am thinking about shame and the hold that it has in our hearts over the things that we have done, the things that we try to hide. Even as Christians, as we walk in the world, there are things that we want to hide. There are things that we have done when we were young and stupid, or when we were old and selfish. There are things that we have done that we don't want the world to know. Because if the world knew, they would think we were terrible people, unworthy, just like we think of ourselves, that we're terrible people, unworthy of love. And so we try to hide those things that we are ashamed of. We bury them very, very deeply. And every now and then they seep out and they make us sad or angry or isolated and alone because we're hiding but the reality is, is God already knows. There's nothing in you that is hidden from his sight and he loves you. 
Even if you don't believe in him, he loves you. Even if you think that there was never such a thing as God, he loves you. Because his love for you is not dependent upon whether or not you think he exists. He's more real than your unbelief. And he is love. And so for us to be able to share the gospel, for us to fulfill that calling of belonging to Jesus Christ, and for us to utilize that gift of apostleship and the grace that the Lord has given us, one of the things we have to learn is not to be ashamed of the gospel. And part of the gospel so the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. Part of the good news of Jesus Christ is not simply that he is your Lord and he is your Savior. It is, I was a murderer breathing out fire against God's people. It was, I was a fornicator and promiscuous. And I was lost in that. And the Lord rescued me and restored me and made me new. It might be I was an addict. And I drove everybody I loved away from me. And I was broken and dying in my sin and in my shame. And the Lord came and he rescued me. And he made me new. He washed me clean. It might be that you had an abortion. Or you committed adultery. It might be that you are just angry and bitter in your heart. And you refuse to forgive people. And so you can't accept forgiveness for yourself. Whatever it is that makes you look at yourself and think that you are too far gone. That you have to hide who you are. That you have to hide the things you've done that you don't deserve. Grace. That you could never believe that that was for you. That you're afraid. That if you open yourself up to God, he's going to abandon you and leave you to the watchtower guards. The good news is that Jesus Christ came for you. That he died for you and he was resurrected. For you and for me and for all of creation to redeem us from our shame and transform our past into the good news that he can wash all of that clean, that he can take all of that and make it new, that he can bring transformation to your relationships that he can bring transformation to your past, that he can bring transformation. He is the God 
of time and space, of all of creation. There is nothing outside of his power and his grace. There is nothing that he cannot transform and turn into the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that I belong to him. And because I belong to him, he will rescue me and accept me. He will wash me clean and make me new. And then he will take every bit of all of the things that I have done horribly wrong in my life. And he will use them to rescue others. Because that's the good news of the gospel, is that there is nothing in your life that God can't use for his purposes if you will give it to him. Give him your shame. And he will give you a righteousness that is by faith. Father God, I don't know who needed this tonight besides me. But I thank you for your words and I thank you for your hope, Father God. I thank you for your son and that the gospel is something that mm, is simple but not just like you. That you are near enough to be our breath, Father God, and gentle enough to love us when we're fragile. But you are so vast and deep and strong, Lord God, that your love carries us through all things. And that there will never come a time, Lord, when we have had enough of you. Father, I pray that you would bless each person here in this tonight. I pray that you would show them, Lord God, all of the places in their heart where shame is binding them. I pray that you would show them all the little foxes, Lord God. I pray that you would show them all the places where they are holding back from you because they are ashamed or because they feel unworthy. God, I pray that you would help them to shed that feeling, that they would give that to you, Lord God, and you would give them your righteousness in return. That you would give them a testimony of the good news of Jesus Christ. That they would let you use all that is broken in them, Father. To make something glorious and beautiful. Lord, we thank you for all that you do and I thank you for your son. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed and be a blessing.